mastering the mahsor is a really valuable tool for being less bored on the high holy days, for being more on top of your spiritual game during the high holy days, for kind of knowing your place in terms of showing up. I guess this year you got to show up on time uh, on the high holy days if you're coming in person. But if you're coming virtually, my goodness, like you really want to be able to navigate the high holy days if you're going to multiple different options. More than ever, a mastery of the Mahsor is going to let you pop in and out of all sorts of different options. And I'll add an extra layer on top of this. Navigating the basics of the Mahsor is going to give you a really interesting insight to the choices that are being made this year at creative and innovative services. You might be making those choices yourself. But my guess is that mostly you're going to be witness to a lot of different people making different choices, whether that's me whether that's Rabbi Schatz or whether that's anybody else in our community who might be making creative choices when it comes to the High Holy Day season. And you're only going to know that it's a creative choice and going to know that it was a halachically minded creative choice if you know what are the basics, how did they come to that decision, and where exactly are we in the playbill of the season. So, Tonight, I want to show share with you some slides, and I'm going to use those slides to orient you to where we are in this class tonight, how far we're planning to get tonight, and then how far we're going to get in the next five of these series of courses. So the idea is I'm going to share with you a visual, and the visual is going to orient you to what we're doing tonight. I'm going to use these visual slides tonight, and then most of the time tonight and the future evenings, we're going to use as a visual this prayer skeleton or prayer playbill, I'd prefer to use playbill. The skeleton thing started to get a little morose when I taught the CEDOR class. So we're going to use this uh, prayer playbill to navigate most of the time as we're um, making our way through the class. But first, let me share some slides with you. So here we go. This is the navigating the Moxor class. Hope you're in the right place. If you're not, uh, strap in because um, we're going to make our way through the High Holy Day Mahsor. Um, the Mahsor is the name for the prayer book for the season of awe or the High Holy Days. Sometimes when we have a prayer service, we're able to take that prayer service and modify it for the holiday that shares that same day. For example, sometimes it's Rosh Chodesh also on Shabbat, and we're able to just have some little asterisks or other notes in the Shabbat Sidor that just let us add in Rosh Chodesh notes. That's great. But a long time ago, the rabbis realized that the liturgy of the High Holy Days was so different that we needed to have an entirely different book to let us navigate the liturgy of the Sidor. That is the, the liturgy of the High Holy Days. That is the only reason why a machzor exists, right? Let me say that one more time. The only reason why a machzor exists as a separate book from the Sidor is because the liturgy is different enough from the liturgy of weekdays or from Shabbat or from other Yom Tov days that it can't be sustained by any other Sidor. If we tried to do that and stick it, append it to some other Sidor that we had, our arms would fall off, right? Because you you know, like this, the Mahsor itself is such a long one. That's why the Mahsor exists as its own book. 
So this is uh, going to be class number one, the prayer playbill, introducing it to you and saying good morning to the morning liturgy through the Shema and focusing on the morning liturgy with an introduction to morning prayer and an introduction to some of our traditional texts that give us some clues into what that morning liturgy is all about, why we do it, and a little bit of vocabulary as well. Some people who took the Sidor, the Navigating the Sidor class that I taught, the Sidor Mastery class, will notice a few pieces of overlap between that class and this class, just a few pieces of it in the vocabulary and in the navigation. That's for two reasons. One is, in order to navigate any Sidor or Machsor, you need a few basic building blocks, a few Lego blocks. So there's going to be a tiny bit of repetition there. The other is, purposefully for the benefit of those folks, it's kind of fun to do some comparative work. So you're going to notice that I do some highlighting when it comes down to that like skeleton or playbill. I think I'm going to stick with playbill, I've decided. Uh, when it comes to that playbill, you're going to notice some highlighting where I'm really trying to show you where there's deviation from and similarity to the Shabbat liturgy because it's fun. It's fun to see where we deviate from our normative texts and normative tunes. So the idea here is for you to follow along in the Machsor. If you don't already have a Machsor in front of you, don't worry, but also grab one if you can. I'm going to be working from the Lev Shalem. I'm going to be showing you uh, as we go all through this on our screen, a digitized version of the Lev Shalem. At the end of class tonight, the last thing I'm going to do is stay on. The last thing I'm going to do tonight is stay online and give you some directions if you'd like uh, in order to get access to the digital Machsor Lev Shalem. But I really want to encourage you to write in your books. And as I said to my Navigating the Sea Door class, it really is a time-honored tradition to write in the margins, a book. It's actually called Marginalia. It's super cool. There's this rare book room at the Jewish Theological Seminary, which is my alma mater, one of them. And uh, in that rare book room, we see texts from which we learn so much because we have the scribbles on these documents that we're privy to, these scribbles that are the scribbles of our scholars of the past. We have access to these amazing records because of what people wrote in the margin. So here you have the Cairo Geniza. Um, and from that Cairo Geniza, we learned like what the OG version of the Yadid Nefesh is, right? That's why we have the Yadid Nefesh we have in, in Sidor Lev Shalem. We have it because of the research that Solomon Schefter and other folk like that um, did there. Um, and I have a link in the slideshow, which I'll share again at the end of tonight, and I can share out to anyone who participates in the class uh, how to get to that licensed version. I'll walk you through it at the end of class tonight. I want to talk about starting the day. Before I do that, I just want to mention that the rules of prayer have been evolving all through Jewish history. It started evolving from temple times, started back in the day when we were offering sacrifices, and that was part of the way that we prayed. And it evolved all through Mishnah and Tosefta times. When we talk about that, we're talking about the codified oral law from around 200 of the Common Era, and all the way through the Talmud as well, which gets codified again as oral law around 600 CE. This is not a class when you have to memorize any of these dates. It's just some people really like dates and really like history. And if you're one of those people, you're like, oh, those are the years. And by the way, in all of these years and all of these times, there were laws being codified and put in place. We're going to look at a few of them today. I might even reference the Mishnah. 
the Tosefta, the Talmud, um, when it comes to how we pray and how we start our day with prayer. And then we get to the codes, just the Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnah Torah you might have most heard of, some of them um, most belonging to, so to speak, communities of Sephardi Jews, Ashkenazi Jews all across the world. And those codes, they take all of those oral traditions, those arguments across rabbinic communities, they take all of those conversations and they say, huh, you know what? It's a little bit difficult to live by conversation, to live by story alone. We're going to distill them into codes of law. And in those codes, we get lots more about how we pray. And finally, we get rabbinic responsa. And guess what? There were rabbinic responsa, meaning questions offered to rabbis and answers that the rabbis gave back. Those existed hundreds and thousands of years ago, some of them in that very Cairo Geniza I showed you, and they still exist today, some of them being asked of and answered by the very congregants in Temple Betham's community. Uh, so um, that is an ongoing project. And I'm going to go to the next page here. Just a second. All right. So let me just move this up to the side of my screen. You can't see what I'm doing, but it's helping me. So there you go. Okay. So um, I just want to say, you know, uh, there are prayers that happen even before we get to the synagogue, and I want to acknowledge that. Um, in Israel, uh, this is a thing. I remember when I went to Israel for the first time and I showed up and I was like, hey, people seem to have been on, on uh, they seem to have gotten some stuff done before they got here <laughs> because there's no Birkot HaShachar happening. There's no morning set of blessings happening in the synagogue space. Uh, it starts from a different point in the morning and that originates from the concept that they are tied, these morning blessings, to morning rituals. We're going to look at that in um, a minute. And that is what is different about, um, uh, about these prayers and these rituals that happen before we leave the home. Prayer is prayer is prayer in the Mahzor. It is a spiritual practice as we're doing it in the prayer book and in the Mahzor specifically. Whereas prayer that's happening at home is tied to actual ritual action. What I mean by that is short of the Torah service, and even really when we're talking about the Torah service, it's all symbolic ritual action. Whereas once you get into the home, you know, it's and this is not grape juice, but it's grape juice, it's challah, it's actual ritual stuff that we're doing and participating in. Um, and when it comes to the blessings in the morning, it's waking up, washing our face, tying our shoes, and so on and so forth. Oh, look, there's the Mishnah, right? I told you. And I wanted to point out this Mishnah. We're not going to dive deep into it unless you're like, hey, I really like Mishnah. And at the end of this class, you say, hey, can attorney next time, can we do more Mishnah? And then maybe next time we'll do more Mishnah. Just let me know. But I want to point out one thing about this Mishnah that I love from Brachot in chapter five of Brachot. The first Mishnah says here, it's a teaching about uh, rabbis love double negatives, right? And you can't pray unless, Ella, mitoch kovet rosh. You can only do it if you're in this one state of mind. You have to be in this heavy head state of, state of mind, this reverent state of mind. So what does that mean? What could it mean? It just means 
you've got to get yourself in the mood to pray. You can't just walk into the shul and pray and just bam, you're there. So this is a little bit at odds with the idea that you'd walk into the synagogue having sort of gone through your rituals at home and then all of a sudden you're getting right into prayer, which means that the first part of our prayer services in the C, in the C door have to do this job, right? Somehow, they have to do the job of getting us into this COVID Roche mood. So whatever it is we include, whatever it is we cut, it's still got to do this job. That makes sense? Right? It's not just prescribing, you got to say the specific prayer or you don't. The Mishnah also prescribes mood. The Torah and onward, right? Everything onward. The Torah has no compunctions about prescribing. Remember Ve'ahavta in this past week's Parsha, if you were paying attention? Torah has no compunctions about prescribing emotion and uh, you know, like getting in a mood for something. Kovad Rosh, you got to pay attention. So where do we actually begin? Well, this year, it's going to be interesting at Temple Bethel. In person is going to be pretty limited. There's going to be a few two-hour slots-ish that happen on the field. We don't even have an official schedule released to you. You probably noticed that if that's something that you care about. Um, And we're going to have a whole bunch of different digital experiences. One of those digital experiences will probably start at Birkot HaShachar. One of the things that we're going to notice about Birkot HaShachar is that it happens to be a piece of the liturgy that is not reliant on there being a minion. Why does that work? Like, why does that make sense? Well, that that marries well with the fact that Birkot HaShachar can be done alone at home, right? Or at home with whoever else happens to live in your home or whatever dogs you share your home with if you're the lows, right? So um, you can just do, right? So you just, um, <laughs> you can just do Birkot HaShachar even if you don't have a minion, which is going to be the case in the settings uh, where we're going to be broadcasting out and anchoring from a physical place. Uh, the most of our digital offerings this year and still Birkot HaShachar might not be found in every one of the places where we start. That every place where we start is going to start from that COVID Roche place. It's going to start from some sort of an intentional beginning, which is why one of the services is going to be this musical and intentional abbreviated approach. And then, of course, we're also going to have these alternative and family options. So what exactly is happening in that first hour or so of prayer? We're going to take a look in a moment. Oh, I think I kept the word skeleton in here. This is very funny. Whoever is listening to the podcast is going to be like, is it a skeleton? Is it a playbill? Or they don't think it's funny at all, but I think it's very funny. Um, So we're going to look in just a moment at that playbill of prayer. And see, I thought it was like so poetic because the whole prayer body up until the Torah service, but it just got a little morose as it went on. So I'm going to let you look at this document. I'm going to send this document to you in the chat in just a moment when I'm done. I'm almost done with all these slides. And I'm going to let you use it as the basis of your own set of notes. I want you to be able to take this Google Doc, which it is, and to use it as your own basis of notes and outline for you to move through the service as you're going on. And we're going to be able to take notes live together. You might have things to say to me about how to manipulate this and say, you should note the scanner turn, you skipped the sub note on this <laughs> outline and I'll add it to the outline. It might be something important for us to note on there. We'll go there in just a moment. Just want to note a little bit of vocabulary in here that's important to this. I may slip into a little bit of Yiddish and sometimes call synagogue shul. Uh, I may sometimes slip into a little bit of Hebrew and call prayer tefillah. 
Uh, rabbinically, tefillah used to refer to just the Amidah. No one means that anymore. We mean, we mean prayer services more broadly. Kind of like someone says, hey, do you have a little bit of Torah to share? They don't mean a Torah scroll. They mean more broadly, a little bit of wisdom to share from the Jewish tradition. That's another vocabulary piece that could probably go on this page. Shachrit, that refers to the morning service. When I say shachrit, I mean the broader body of shachrit, but you're going to notice on the prayer playbill, you're going to notice on that outline that I am specifically naming that shachrit itself begins somewhere a little before barhu. We're going to look at that debate when we get there, where it actually begins. My Sidor class got deep into that debate with me. Where does it really begin? Does it begin in Nishma? Does it begin at Yishtabach? Does it begin at HaMelech on Rosh Hashanah, where we begin with a new leader? We'll get there. But my point is it really begins with these sort of archipelago of of blessing moments, of Baruch Hu, Shema, the Amidah, and the other stuff in between, and it's done every day. It is the second prayer service of the day because Vaihi era, Vaihi Voker, Yom, whatever. Because when the world was created, according to the Torah, the world was created when there was more, there was evening and there was morning and then it was day, whatever. And therefore, all days, not just holidays, begin in the evening. And therefore, the first service of any day is Mariv and the second is Shachari. It's a real service because it has tefillah, it has an Amidah in it few more things. Davening, again, if I slip into Yiddish, I mean praying. Chiyuv. That's a word I might occasionally reference, meaning that somebody would have an obligation to actually pray a part of a service. We're going to talk about stuff in bright pink on our outline, on our playbill, and that bright pink stuff is not something that we have a chiyuv to do. We do not have an obligation to do it, but there's some stuff that we do have an obligation to do, and we're going to talk about that. A shaliach tzibor or shlichat tzibor, also uh, abbreviated as shots, not to be confused with Rabbi, shots, but pronounced the same way. So an effective uh, mnemonic device um, is the designated prayer leader. Nusach hatefila. So nusach can sometimes refer to the words of liturgy, but when I use nusach, I mean the musical modes and motifs for each part of liturgy. Nusach means the musical mode and motif together. We're going to talk about some Nusach modes and motifs that sometimes sound one way in one part of the service and one way in another part of the service. A really great example of this is that on Shachrit, on a weekday morning, there's a part of the service that uses Ahavarabah, both on Shabbat and on weekdays, but where exactly the motif, the series of notes that we use in a row, the little ditty of notes that we use in a row, tells your ear, ah, it's Tuesday, it's not Shabbat. And so we're going to listen for those motifs as we go along because it's going to tell us, oh, is it Arab Rosh Hashanah or is it Musaf? There really is a difference musically. A couple more things. A talit is a prayer shawl. A sidor is a prayer book. And of course, the machzor, as I brought up, is the prayer book specific to the High Holy Days. A couple more things and we're done with the slides want to bring up the mumbling thing. We're not going to go through all of the texts and the uh, and the uh, either biblical or rabbinic about it, but it is an Ashkenazi practice specifically to uh, begin a text 
open a text and then mumble through some of it and then complete the rest of it out loud. It's a way of marking where we're beginning a text and marking where we're completing it together. Sort of being together and then apart individually and then together again and then apart individually and then together again. Sparting do not have the same practice is a way of fulfilling our obligation. Remember the vocabulary, the chiyuv, that obligation? It's a way of fulfilling our obligation by saying every word. What do you do if the person leading is too fast for you? You can absolutely pray it in your native language, which for most of us here is probably English. Um, we are going to skip over this particular text for today, so we have a little bit more time. Um, and we are uh, going to take a moment to, um, we're going to skip over this text too for a little bit more time. Um, a proof text about it's really, really okay to pray in English for those people who love proof text. I wasn't sure who was going to be coming to class tonight, but I wanted to make sure that it was here for those who really love proof text. And it's a really, really beautiful one. So we can study it together if you're interested in it. We're going to come back to the page before this about the Kaddish de Rabbanan and the first moment that we need a minion. Uh, and you know what? Let's come back to the mourner's cottage too. I just kind of want to see your faces. I want to take a look at this before we close, and then we're going to uh, end with this. I want to talk about the content of the or, um with this one last slide. Every prayer book is made of three elements and only three elements. I challenge you to find me an element that does not fall into these three categories. It is made up of blessings, quotes, and poems, okay? Blessings, quotes, and poems. So blessings, blessings have a formula, and you know what that formula is. We're gonna look at one last slide after this before I close out the slides, and the, sli and the um, blessings have different types of formulas. Some are short, some are sandwichy, and some are long. But blessings have formulas. Baruch atah Hashem, or Baruch atah Hashem, Elokein something, <laughs> right? Whatever that, whatever the blessing is about. They have halakha behind them. They're trying to fulfill some sort of a legal obligation to do something. And they belong to a time and a place, right? Like they, they belong to an object. They belong to doing an action. They, they belong somewhere. And those make up parts of our sidor. There are quotes. A quote comes from a Bible, a place somewhere in the canon of our Bible, our Tanakh right? Somewhere in the Torah or in the prophetic writings or in some of the writings in the rest of our biblical canon, or it might come from a rabbinic text. We get some of that early on, which we'll look at in our prayer uh, outline. Keep calling it different things. Uh, last one, poems. Wee! Poems are anything. You know what poems are? We're going to have so much fun with poems. We're going to learn different names for poems, P-U-Team, poems, poetry. Poems are a favorite part this year because poems can be cut. And the only big problem with poems on the High Holy Days is that poems tend to be the part that people love, uh, the part that we remember, because it's the part that people have written some beautiful music to go to. Here's the story of Poetry in the Sidor. Poetry in the Sidor is somebody wrote a poem to go between this blessing and that quote that we're supposed to say, and someone was like, hey, you know what? That poem is so good. I think everybody should say it every week and then they printed it 
And that's how poems wound up in the sea door. That's it. That's the whole story of poetry in the sea door. A classic example of this is Ella Doan on Shabbat morning. It's a classic example of this. Ella Doan, not a blessing, not a biblical quote. A piyut is kind of stretching. I guess it's a piyut. It's a poem. It's a great poem. You do not need to do it. If you're davening or if you're praying at home on your own, it's Shabbat morning. You're like, you know what? I'm alone. I'm going to like pray on my own. You are, you have no chiyuv, again, using our vocabulary, you have no obligation to do eladon. You don't. But again, to go to my notes here, who doesn't love eladon? It's great. It shares all the melodies with Shir Hamalot. It's awesome. It's like, why wouldn't you sing it? But you're not obligated to do it. It got stuck in there because someone wrote a great poem and it stuck. And I just want to point out that blessings are all prayers, but not all prayers are blessings, right? The whole like rectangle versus square, square versus rectangle thing. Blessings are our prayers, but not all prayers are blessings, okay? And uh, they come from this whole like configuration in, in the Torah, and that's how we wind up with this Baruch Atad Hashem thing. And there are three categories of them, and we're going to look for them in uh, as we go throughout the Mahsor. Short ones, long ones, and ones that are connected to a friend, all right? The short ones you already know. Great. Those are the easy ones to spot, right? The long ones, also super easy to spot. Oh, we lost the plot. And then it picks up at the end again. Oh, so it was a long one. Okay, right? So that's a long blessing is one that starts at the beginning, loses the plot, and picks back up again. That's a long blessing. And then there are the ones that are connected to a friend. The connected to a friend ones are tough to spot, but we're going to find them. Those are the ones that kind of pick up at the beginning. They don't start as a blessing, but they sure end as one. They have a long paragraph and they end in a whole blessing. So we're going to find those. A really good example to hint at those are the paragraph that you might remember from the middle of the Shachrit Amidah on Shabbat. The Elokeinu Ritzay paragraph that ends in a blessing. Okay? So it has a chatima, has a seal on it, a blessing. We'll get to that vocab later. It's a long, it's just connected to a friend. It doesn't start as a blessing. Sure ends as a blessing. Okay, so I'm going to stop my screen share here. Going to take a moment to pause and see if anybody has any questions or thoughts. I might say thank you for that question or thought. I'm going to pause on it and put it in a little bit of a parking lot to answer later. But I'm curious if you have any questions or thoughts on this so far. And then we're going to take some time to work our way through some pages of the Mahsor. I get a chance to share with you that prayer playbill. But before I do that, I want to hear from you if you have questions or thoughts. Diane, kick us off. So the last last category of blessings that you were talking about that's got text prior to the blessing, where does that text generally come from? Is it may is it written by someone um, to fit the blessing originally, or is it actually text that's quoted? So that's a question. It's a complete mixed bag in our tradition. 
completely mixed. Billy is just making herself known. Um, it's a complete mixed bag in our tradition. There are some blessings, both long and the one that are connected to a chaver, to a friend. Those, uh, some of them contain quotes in them, like biblical quotes buried in them. Like some paragraphs of the uh, of the Birkat Hamazon fall into this category, and some don't have buried quotes in them, and they're just constructs of the rabbinic tradition. Uh, and I'm happy to walk through any, exa- if you come up with an example of one, if you come with one, I'm happy to walk through what, what is a quote and what's not. Any other thoughts or questions on on uh, kind of the intro to morning prayer and the Mahsor? Okay. We're going to look at the playbill. Here's the concept. Before I walk into a Broadway show, one of my favorite moments especially if I don't know the show, is to open up the playbill and to look at the list of the numbers that are coming up. I don't necessarily always understand what the music's going to be, how long that number is. I don't really know what it means that certain members of the cast are in that number, but it tells me something substantive by looking at that outline of what's to come. That's what this outline is intended to do. So that's what we're going to look at together as a playbill. I'm first going to send it to you as a link so we can look at it together. So here's the link to it. You may have to copy it and then paste it into your browser in order to access it. But I'm also going to share it on the screen. If you have trouble highlighting it and copying it and things like that, let me know. Sometimes the setting is not so friendly to it on my particular Zoom account. Can't quite figure out why that's the case. I know that that's on my end. Um, I'm going to show you um, anyway on the screen the whole playbill. Here we go. The key to this is really intended to be simple. Some of the stuff here in blue refers back to what I was saying when it comes to stuff that is grafted straight out of Shabbat and weekday and the balance of the year. Okay? The tune mostly differs from the rest of the year, but the content, like the Nusach HaTefillah when it comes to the words of the Tefillah, are the same. The green stuff is like (laughs) high holy day only territory. And the pink stuff, as I said before, is poetry. It's just the fun stuff. It's in the category of piyut. It's added. It is just for fun. There's some interesting places where that shows up, particularly it kind of varies mahsor to mahsor. You'll note a lot of pink in the shofar service. The shofar service itself is basically, here's a blessing, now blow the shofar. So whatever mahsor you have is uh, kind of t- tells you the story of what the shofar service was imagined to be based on the rabbis who edited that mahsor. So let's just look through this a little bit, only as far as the shema. And then we're actually going to go to the Mahsor. But I'll leave room for more questions before then. Okay. So we rise from sleep. We have a little gratitude. We enter the prayer space. Maybe we say a little Matovu. We're not going to actually look at that in the Mahsor. If you want to look at it some other time, let me know. We'll go deeper. We're going to start at Birkota Shachar. When we actually start this together, we're going to start on page 37 in Mahsor Lev Shalem. And it is mostly grafted out of Shabbat and weekdays. Birkot is identical, actually, to both of those. It's just the music that's different. 
uh, begins with a little Torah study after the blessings themselves, then the principles of Rabbi Yishmael, Kaddish to Rabbanon. That red that is highlighted there, which I need to add to the key, I just realized that the enti- entirely missing from the key is that anything that is highlighted in red is a Devar Shabik Dusha. A Devar Shabik Dusha is something that requires a minion. So that is all that that is. Uh, I will add it to the requires a minion. I know I'll change the the uh, color right there. Then we um, have Psalms. We're going to take note of some innovations in this Machsor when it comes to the Psalms uh, that are said on these days. And then we get to Mourner's Kaddish. The reason why I didn't highlight Mourner's Kaddish in red is that even though Mourner's Kaddish might normally, more normatively be considered in the category of Devar Shabit Dusha, Temple Betham is saying Mourner's Kaddish even in spaces where we do not have a minion constituted physically in person, but we're constituting a minion digitally. So I highlighted it in yellow randomly. I don't know. You have a better solution, feel free to suggest. Then, blue. Uh, back to Psuge de Zimra is kind of the same as uh, Shabbat and Yom Tov, except completely different musical pattern. We're going to get there. It's my favorite one of the High Holy Days. It's really fun, and I never lead it, because when does a cantor lead... I don't know, maybe this year. There'll be an excuse. Um, and then we do Baruch She'amar. This ends with a blessing. What? So we're going to look at that particular blessing. It's actually, it's also my favorite blessing of the Sidor. And then we're seated. Then we do a bunch of Psalms and biblical readings that we do every day. And then we do Psalms for Shabbat and festivals. This is only annoying on Shabbat when you have to do a whole bunch of page flipping. The moths are not, it's not all that noticeable. Then we do psalms and biblical readings that are back to being for every day. Just want to point that out in case you're following along as kind of a savvy prayer book reader. Then we do ashray. This is a critical one. Okay. If you're somebody who's designing a critical prayer service, I can point you to a text that I skipped over in our slideshow, which is the text that tells us that if you're looking for the critical pieces for your your um, required Pesuke uh, de Zemra, you're looking at Baruch Shemar, Ashrei, Psalm 150, and Yidan. So that's going to be a lot. You're looking at a lot of Pesuke de Zimras this year for legal and safety purposes that are going to consist of that. Um, and then Shiratayam, the Song of the Sea. People who are able to rise, rise for that. We sit back down. We do a little Nishma Kochai, a little Joey Weisenberg tune, probably. That's a poem, though. Ah, <laughs> I should probably highlight that in pink. Um, but people love poems. This is a pro- Do you see my problem? Do you see our problem? This is the problem with poems. Poems are great. It's just a poem, right? Um, I should probably also have a color for quotes, but it would get too colorful. But it's a poem, okay? And then Shahri, which is a lot like Shabbat, we're not going to go past the Shema, so just a little further. We're going to start at a different place than we start on Shabbat and other holidays. We're going to start at Hamelech. We're going to rise for Yishabach. Then we're going to Psalm 130, which gets inserted on special occasions. Then um, that's, I highlighted there because it's a psalm. It's not a poem. It's not a poem, but it's a psalm. Psalms can be dropped. They're not halakhically required. So I just made it with, I don't know, it could go in a lot of colors, but it could be dropped. Then Chatzikadosh requires a minion. Baruch Hu requires a minion. Then we do a blessing that for some, I cannot answer reason, even though I got my master's degree in this, we do not 
count as the first blessing of Shacharit, but absolutely is the first blessing of Shacharit, but please don't count it as the first of three blessings of Shacharit, is Yotzer Or, the first blessing, followed by a really cool little line we're going to look at, called Or Olam, that's in green here. Then we're seated. Then, oh, if it's Shabbat Eladon, remember I talked about that. And then two blessings, Or Chadash, Ahava Rabbah. There are themes to those, light and love. And then the Shema. We're going to pause there. Before we actually look into the Machsor itself, to browse through this, most of which, the reason why we're able to get through this content, is not very different from Shabbat or weekdays at all. That's why we're able to get like pretty deep territory in one class. Um, Before we get into that, any questions or thoughts on this particular stretch. Why do you say that uh, Yotzer Or is not a blessing? Yotzer Or is definitely a blessing. But when we think about the blessings of Shachri, we think about a three-blessing sandwich. We Let me scroll down to it. We think about blessing number one and two as being Or Chadash. We think about... Uh, we think about Yotzer Merorot and then um, Oheva Mo Yisrael. We think about those two. And then Ga'al Yisrael is the third. We think of that as like the blessing sandwich that surrounds Shema and precedes Amidah. Yotzer Or is external to that blessing structure. It also has a whole story about being a biblical quote that was rabbinically manipulated. It's super cool, not for this class. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I would love to know more of that story. This is like a Rabbi Avi Havivi, like uh, somebody who's got a PhD in liturgy can tell the history of how that became a little bit more external to the structure and why we start counting the blessings at that point. Um, probably because it follows the Kedusha de Sidra, which is this little portion of text that begins at Tiparach Tzureinu. And there's like this whole weekday and Shabbat kind of differentiation we're going to see when we get there. It gets a little complex, but we really think about that basic structure is once you get to um, what, what once you get into the territory or on Shabbat or or on or the Let me think. Once you're in that territory, you're like, oh, it's Shema blessing time. That suddenly, that's that's solid Shema blessing. And before you get to that, we're not quite in that parenthetical part. So this is about just kind of like knowing, kind of following the cursor along in services. Um, okay. Should we look at Mosler? Yeah? Okay. I just, want, I just want to say that this is making me very nervous. <laughs> well, but it's all very good information. But I just want to say as the other clergy person on this call that this is all really great and a lot. And I'm so glad to be on here with you. <laughs> well, I will, I'll happily, I'll happily review this live with you. Um, and also may you never find yourself trying to remember weekday followed by Shabbat followed by the the high holy day example because that was not a smart move on my part to try to remember 
that. Like, why would I do that as an example? That was not a great move. So just just maybe try to remember the high holy day one in person. Um, okay, so I'm going to stop sharing this live, but now you all have access to it. I gave you viewership access to it on purpose because what I'm hoping you'll do is make a copy of it, okay? Make a copy of the the document and then manipulate it, like it make your own notes on it if you'd like to make your own notes to play along with the class. That's my hope. And then I'll make notes on it too as I discover things like, hey, I totally forgot to put in the key things that require a minion, which I don't know, that seems pretty important. So uh, let's look at the Mothsor together. We're gonna spend about, the, my intention is that we're gonna spend about the next 20 minutes doing that or so unwrap five minutes after that with like questions. That's my intention for us to spend about that time doing that. My intention is for this class in general to last about those 75 minutes. If people have less uh, attention span than that, more attention span than that, let's talk afterwards that we can figure out what that means for this class. Great. So let's take a look at the moss. So I'm going to share it now. The way that it gets shared, this is going to be an interesting adventure for you and me. The way that it gets shared vis-a-vis um, -vis the rabbinical assembly, the way that I chose to download it this way, we're going to see if this works, is through a, a reader, a digital reader called Issue. We're going to see if this works well enough uh, for me to share it. If it's not working for us, I'm going to go ahead and try to configure it in a way where we can look at it as a PDF copy. They're trying to protect it. It's important licensing stuff for them. You know, it's it's hard work that they put into this book. Um, so I'm going to share it this way. Please bear with me and bear with them that it might not like enlarge or or kind of be manipulated very cleanly. So here we go. Baruch Sorry, but it's the same monster. So we have it in front of us. We're set, right? Exactly. If you have it in front of you. I, as I do, me too, right? Page 37, same exact page 37. The only difference I will say is that every once in a wild while, you will have the second edition, I will have the first edition, and you will say, Canna Chorney, what in the universe are you talking about? You have like, I will give you a great example of this. Yale, there's just an extra verse in my book. I don't know why. There just is. In my edition, they printed another verse. Every once in a while, Cantor Michelle Stone is like, excuse me, what are you singing? <laughs> and then I have to say I, the verse that's in my book. Uh, so that is the only difference so far as I know, is that some of the editions are slightly different. Um, but yes, you're right. You are said if, it's, if you have a book in front of you. So here we go. Uh, it is the same except for the tune. Baruch atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Asher Natan Lesef Livin Ha-ha-ha Ve'afchin Ben Yom Uvein Laila Eh, it's not my favorite new song. It's okay, because I'm never responsible for it. But I did teach some kids to do it, which is a great thing to do in any congregation. So, these are the same brachot that we do on any day. We go through these brachot. We can be seated either after... Um, Noten of Koach, or right about here-ish. We go through this whole page just as we do on Shabbat and weekdays, usually convening somewhere around, oh, this is interesting, all the loading stuff, so I'm learning things about this. Um, 
we usually convene somewhere around the top of these pages while it's loading. And now I'm learning fun things about like having to wait for these pages to load on this. So I don't love that. Um, that did not happen to me before. Right, I'm going to stop the screen share and or actually just try to re do a reload on the page. I would just I would close the other tabs or put it in its own browser and it might it might go faster. I do. These are the only things I have open on Chrome at the moment, but this might do it. I think I've, I think I have. Yeah, I can close at least these four now. Uh, let's see if this works. Um, and also fun fact that it's backwards because it's a right to left a book and apparently they couldn't get issue to do that differently. So let's see. Uh, all right. So here we go. So uh, this is um, interesting in that you might notice just a fun nerdy fact that a lot of the text right here in the C door is shared within the ELA. There's a lot of really interesting shared text, both here in the beginning of Birkota Shahar and Ni'ila. So if you're looking for a little bit of Vort material, since I have both colleagues and also lay leaders in your own communities and interested Jews who like to learn about their liturgy on here, you can dive deep into some of these particular texts um, for some really cool overlappy stuff in terms of what we say every morning and what we say at Ni'ila as the gates are closing. We finish up around Kadesh at Shimcha Makdishe Shemecha, and then we go over to our own private devotional rabbinic texts and we switch over to Kaddish Rabbanan. One of the slides I skipped said, hey, this is the first moment when you need a minion because this is the first moment when you need a minion. We are not saying Kaddish Rabbanan currently from our digitally anchored, meaning no physical minion in person TBA services at the moment. So that is uh, something that we will skip in our services if we are um, convening from an only digital spaces. And then we go to the Psalms for the day. I wanted to point out, and I put, you'll see the little asterisk on there on the playbill, that uh, there's not a huge historical body of um, ground. Nope, that's not, that didn't make sense. There's not a huge history that there's, that the folks who um, uh, edited this Mosor are standing on in having determined what psalms follow on these next few pages. They just sort of picked some psalms that they thought were meaningful here. Um, and you don't have to do the psalms here at all. And you don't have to do the psalms at all. People can be trusted to do these psalms privately on their own. So they could also skip them. The reason why we're doing psalms at all here is that doing a psalm, something in the body of actually reading a biblical text at all, it's just that psalms are poetic and convenient, it unlocks, so to speak, our ability to say mourner's Kaddish. Does that make sense? It kind of unlocks a level. That's what we're trying to do, is we're trying to unlock doing mourner's Kaddish. So we're basically saying the psalm of the day, and it's interesting that they insert here the psalm of the day as Rosh Hashanah, the psalm of the day as Yom Kippur, whatever else they might put in here, the season for repentance. Typically, the order would go for the also the um, the weekday psalm because it is said more frequently. It should actually go first here. I would prefer that. But the editors of the Cedar actually left the weekday psalms to the way back of the moth source, which just can't even be found here. So you just have to make that decision early and stick it in your notes if you're going to do something about that. 
And then you get the Psalm 30 introduction to Pesuke de Simra, Mizmor Shir, Chanukah, Tabait, Ladavi. You can guess what holiday this gets co-opted for. And then some people like to sing a little Eilecha. Some people will just finish with the Hafach um, Demis Bedim Holi. This is the first spot where you're going to find people sneaking in their their um, uh, uh, Pesuke de Zimra Nusach. Oh my gosh, it's the high holy days. Like, that's where you're going to hear them sneaking in first, right? People love to do that. Don't do that to me as cantor, but okay, do it because it's fun, you know? But like, I get it. I understand why people do that. It is a dramatic point, and it's the first point. Hey, it's not Pesuke de Zimra, and that's the Pesuke de Zimra Nusach. But Jews, since Jews have had Nusach, have been doing that with Nusach, which is Nusach bleed, right? So they, it actually belongs to Pesuke de Zimra, which starts after Mourner's Scottish, which is here, which definitely requires a minion, except when we decide it doesn't require a minion, uh, as I just described. And then we go to Brachamar, for which we ask people to rise. That does not require a minion. It is core to doing Pesuke de Zimra. It's one of the first uh, core texts of the morning. So once you finish Birko de Shakar, it's going to definitely belong in any Pesuke de Zimra anybody's going to design for the season. You're going to start with it and with the bracha. Yachid Rei Haolamim. The whole of Nusach for Pesuke de Zimra can be taught using Baruch and it often is. Going through the whole thing. And then uh, ending with And then people sit. And then we're not going to walk through every single psalm of Pesuke de Zimra. I'm just going to point you to the outline, which again points you to all those big highlights. Where people, I just want to point out some things in between there in case you want to add some notes to the outline that are interesting to you. Other big points that people like to add in there might be Halal Hagadol, which comes before Ashrei. Right? People like to stand and do Psalm 136. It's also the one that we do. It's in the Haggadah. It's in the Haggadah. People also love it because it's a little responsorial, some great tunes to it. They weren't written for it. People like to do them to it. Okay. Some of them were written for it. That's not true. Some were written for it. And then um, that's Psalm 136. There are some other ones in there before Ashrei, but that's pretty much the most popular one. There's some Miha'ish in there beforehand. There's a little Romamu, a little Hoshia Damecha. I'm actually just thinking backwards, sorry. But, like, you know, you get what I mean. Uh, all of those are great ones to do um, uh, f- uh, before you get to Ashrei. Um and so here's Hodulat Hashem Kitov. Then you get to um, a little Psalm for Shabbat, um, followed by uh, Psalm 93 and Yehi which is a quote, a biblical quote. And then you get to Ashrei. Ashrei is also going to be a staple. If you're trying to rush your way through Pesuke de Zimra, and, or if you show up late to services and you're trying to make up for lost time, you're going to pick up here at Ashrei. You're going to do Ashrei, starting with Ashrei Yoshvei Vitecha. And then pick up at the end with Tehillat Adonai P. The um, core code texts tell us that the next place where you should pick up if you have no time at all is Psalm 150. Anybody know why Psalm 150? 
Like, what's what's the cute thing about Psalm 150? How many psalms are in the book of Psalms? It's the last psalm. Right, right. So you can be like, hey, I finished it. Then you're like, yay. So you're celebrating that you did like a little CUM, you finished the book. If you have a little more time, all the codes that I've seen say that you should then add Psalm 148. Great news. Nava Tequila wrote a tune for that. So uh, that's a great one to add to if you have extra time too. So some people also do um, Psalm 148. That's Hallelujah. All the different places from which you can praise God. Also great news because we're all stuck in all sorts of different places this year. Um, so that's Psalm 148 on page uh, 62, right? And then Psalm 150 is on page 63, right? And so those are like your core Psalms. Then you're going to get to uh, a few preparatory texts to Shirat Hayam. Shirat Hayam is not required, but people love poems. This one happens to not be, it falls in the category of quote, not poem, because it's the oldest poem we have and it's a quote from the Torah. People love poems. Okay, and then Nishmat. This one, just people love poems. Uh, the breath of every living creature should um, be able to praise God. Um, where this poem ends is the source of great debate, as is where Shacharit itself begins. Once upon a time, every holiday, every holiday had its own starting point and where the new Zach began and where the new Shaliyah or Shlichat Zibor would take over. On... Um, on Rosh Hashanah, we're going to take over at Hamelech because of the Malchut, because of the kingship themes of the holiday, making it therefore super confusing that they stick this triangle here. What? <laughs> Thank you, editors. So uh, I don't know why that's the case. I think it's because it's that last thing that the previous person's supposed to say, but I find that very funny. Um, but this is where we're supposed to pick up is right here um, at Hamelech. Unclear if this is where we should call the start of Shacharit. If Nishmat is where we should call the start of Shacharit, for sure, by Baruch Hu, Shacharit has begun. Um, Hamelech begins with a grand musical gesture. All that matters is that you do this thing. It doesn't really matter what else you do, as long as you end with that. Uh, and then uh, and then you go back and forth between these little motifs of Shahri and a whole bunch of stuff still from Basuke to Zimra left over. It kind of bleeds back and forth um, uh, between the two, which is appropriate. The reason I'm pointing that out is because it's not really clear if you're in Pesuke to Zimra or Shahri. So it makes sense that the music kind of goes back and forth between the two um, kind of parts of this service. Yes, yeah, so we have shots. Sorry, I have a question really quickly. Um, the the carrot arrow thing yeah. at the top of the page is that because if you if you were starting without psuke, like you were describing in Israel, they sometimes do um, that. You would actually still want to say Ha'el Betatsumotu Zecha before you do Hamelech. Could that be why the little arrow is there? If you were in Israel, you would still start with psuke. You just skip Birkot Shachar. So you would still have done Baruch Shemar there. Well, okay, so let me ask the question differently. Yeah. There are places that just start with <laughs> with after Psuke, like after Nishmat, after Shirat Hayam. So 
I guess my question is, if you were going to do that, would you start with Ha'el or would you start with Hamelech? Definitely Hamelech because um, on on Yom Tov's, so it used to be, this is a little bit of a fancy answer. It used to be that every, according to my teachers in cantorial school, it used to be the case that every Yom Tov had a different word in this paragraph, the Ha'el Hagadol Hagibor, a different word that it would have begun with on each of the three of the Shlosh Ragalim, which is a really cool idea. At some point, all three of the Shlosh Ragalim began to start there, which is why on Shlosh Ragalim, everybody began to that's why I was asking because I wondered if because that's how we do it on the Shalosh Regalim if that's how you could do it if you weren't doing anything before HaMelech in Shul if you would still start with HaEl but I guess not I think there I, I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't start in HaMelech okay because I think that's the like hard and fast rule yeah. of starting it okay. but I would be fascinated by another answer <laughs> By Ed, Rabbi Edfeld, um, maybe he has a. Different- I just wondered if that's why the arrow was there because I can't. I, I also can't think of any other reason. It also throws me off every year, so I just was wondering if maybe that's why. I my very best guess is that it's to cue the person who's leading Basuke to Zimra to still do one last good paragraph there, but it is strange. Um, and so um. Well, last few points, you know what happens at Yishtabach. We ask people to, you know, rise here. We're in this special new software for the season. And then we get to this psalm. Here, a lot of people have the Ark actually open. I'm not entirely sure if it's halacha that the Ark has to be open. I'm not even sure where I would look up the halacha over an Ark needing to be opened at a certain point. I know it's a great kibbut. It's a great honor to give out. So why not open the ark at this moment? I'd have to, like, and it needs research. I don't know. But I know it's often opened at this moment. And then this is done responsorily. And it's done in a different nusach. It's done in what's called avinu malkenu nusach. So avinu malkenu nusach is avinu malkenu something, something, something. Avinu malkenu something, something, something. Avinu malkenu, and then there's a move called the Krova move. D T D T D T. Avinu malkenu D D D D D. A Rabbi Klickfeld favorite. A Rabbi Klickfeld favorite, and a favorite during this pandemic, as we do lots of psalms praying for this pandemic to end. We finish that up, and then normatively there would be a Chatzik Kaddish, but. There's a problem with that, which is that we're not going to have minyanim in many of the places where we are going to be. So often, in a lot of the places where we are, we're going to end at this point. We're going to ask people to be seated and tell them that Shacharit is beginning without this Chatzik Kaddish, which is not that Yitgatash. That skipping of Kaddish is going to come later in Saturn. We'll get to that. Um, but th- anyway, this is... This is that's the special Shachri Kaddish. If you don't know it, this is a good year not to know it. Um, because it's going to be skipped a lot of places. And then um, the Baruch same story that it's also going to be skipped where there is not a minion in person. And then look at it. Here's the Yotzer Or that I was talking about. Special Yotzer Or for Yom Kippur. We're not there yet anyway. And here's that cool Or Olam Be'otzar Chaim. Um, 
It's such a cool little line, and it's a really cool line um, in general um, about the lights of the universe, that God said there should be light found in the darkness, and so it was. I love that line, both for the music and also for the message. All right, we're almost done with what we're going to get through for the day. I want to point out a couple of things. First, this year, we actually get to do both of the next parts because Rosh Hashanah begins on Shabbat, and the second day of Rosh Hashanah is on Sunday. So we're going to wind up doing both of these next parts. The next page is the Hameir La'aretz, which is the same as the weekday Shacharit liturgy. Just a different Nusach. But this isn't a cl- I should reiterate, it's not a class on Nusach or on leading it. That can be an entirely different class if there's a desire for it. This is a class on navigating through the sea door. So if it's Sunday, second day Rosh Hashanah this year, we're going to be on this page. If it's not Sunday, this is all in your outline, then you're going to be going on to the next page, which is the Hakol Yoducha. But we're not going to be doing Hakol Yoducha ve'akol Yeshabechucha because it's not, it's not Shabbat. So we're going to be in Nesach. We can have that Nesach debate later, right? The, the music debate later. But look, look, look what friend is coming. Look, Eladon, it's there because if it's Shabbat, you could do it. But guess what? If you don't have time because it's a global pandemic and you have to cut your service, guess what could be cut? Eladon. Um, but people love poems. So, and then La'ela Share is where you continue if it's Shabbat. Again, this is still just a Shabbat page. It's reminding you up here in the upper right corner. And then on the following page, all services continue. You know that because it says... All services continue. And then we keep going with Tiparach Tzurenu. This page is a miniature Kedusha. If you want to join another Shabbat or weekday class, I can pull you through all the interesting stuff that shows up on this page. One of the clues that it's a miniature Kedusha is that you know that Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh shows up in the middle of this page. So if you're navigating in this Machsor during the year, this is the part where after the Baruchu, and catching up to this point, if you're just sort of having some moments for yourself, kind of spiritually nourishing yourself by navigating through the marginalia and the and the English and the everything like that, notice that there's some bold coming and that you can participate by responding to these lines about the ways that the angels would praise God and they would respond, Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Aretz, Kavodo. That's a fun line to join in on. So is Baruch, Kavod, Adonai, Mim, Komo. That's why the transliteration is there on the left-hand side of the page, too. And then you get the same text we get on Shabbat and on weekdays as well, the El Baruch Nemo Itenu, which begins a paragraph leading up to Or Chadash Al Tzion Ta'ir. Look, it's our first bracha before the Shema, leading up to Or Chadash Al Tzion Ta'ir, Veniz Kechulanu Mehera Lero, and this blessing about light, Yotzer Me'orot. Also, kind of sticking with this whole theme of creation, right? Otsar Chaim. We're still kind of in this creation theme. One more page. Finally, to the second blessing, right? So if you're navigating along, you've got the Barhu, and I got this kind of like weekday land, Shabbos land, and now you've got this little Kadusha, followed by jumping into the first blessing about light, and now we're on the second blessing about love. A little Karlabach, you can't escape a little Karlbach and a little Rabbi Moshe Pomerantz, right? 
And then that's Karlbach. Don't let them tell you the first one's Karlbach. It's not. This is Rabbi Moshe Pomerantz. Har, har, what's it called? Um, Herzl Neratamid in Mercer Island. Uh, and then, um, and then uh, I, think, I think that's correct. I have to look that up, double check the tune, but I think that's correct. And then, um, and then Vahari Nenu and Vahavi Nenu Lashalom, we gather the fringes of our talit and we prepare for the Shema. And if we are individually saying the Shema, which is to say there's not a minion there, then we say those magic three words that help us get to the right word count, which we can get into next time. Al Melech Neeman says right there, and then the Shema. So, this uh, is the beginning of our foray into lots of services. My hope is that the next class, we're going to get ourselves from the Shema, through the rest of Shachari, and through Shofar service and Torah, the following week, we're going to get through some Rosh Hashanah Musaf. It's probably going to take us two weeks to get through that. And then it's going to take us a couple weeks to get through some Kol Nidre and Neila business. Like to, through the through the evening service business. Because I, I think that that content just takes some time to wade through. Any big questions? Any thoughts about the way that we're navigating through this? Any tools that you need on hand that we didn't have on hand tonight that you like need to get through this or any focus that you need in order to make this work for you? Um, yeah, I, I just have a quick question about Nusach. Sure. Um, so how, how standardized is it? Is there different Nusach for Sfaradim and Ashkenazim? And um, how much discretion does the Chazan have in, in playing around with Nusa? And where does it come from? Uh, great. Do you have a couple of years? Uh, <laughs> I will answer as briefly as I can. Um, Sephardi and Ashkenazi customs are utterly different from one another. As far as Ashkenazi customs go, which is what I'm trained in, uh, I... Um, they are fairly standardized in the Eastern European customs to the extent that they're recognizable from one place to another, like pretty standardly. Um, there are some also some really standard variants, like you can really notice, you know, going from one shul to another, you can be like, oh, that is... That's not the way that we do it at ours, but I recognize kind of the way that that's going. So there are <coughs> kind of lines of the high C-Luke and the low C-Luke trope is a really good example. Like the high Sopasuk and the low Sopasuk trope in Ashkenazi tradition is a really good analogy to that. Like, do you know what I'm talking about when you, when you have a Merchatifchahasopasuk, Ah, okay. Two different, totally standard Ashkenazi ways of chanting Torah. You can go to any Ashkenazi-ish, white-ish shul in, like, Eastern European-ish shul in America, and hear those pretty standardly. They're very different from each other in terms of the musical notes being done, but but they're, like, they're two different standards. I'd say there's, like, a version of that for a lot of pieces of the High Holy Day service, but they're close enough to each other. Um... And so I have stretch and there, when we get to Musaf, we're going to get into these chunks of material where I will show you that basically there are these motifs because there's, there's such a large swaths of material. 
that there are these motifs to work from, and I, as a cantor, have a choice. I can either do a through-composed piece at that point, because I don't feel like using my my improvisational energy. Rather, I'd like to, you know, do a through-composed note-for-note piece at that point. Or I can do what I want to do, but I have to do the motifs, and I have to do them. There's no backing up and doing motif C followed by motif A. There's sort of a standard order to follow. So when we get to the Uvechain Tain paragraphs in Musaf, I'll show you exactly what I mean, I promise. Thank you. Dan, did you have a thought? No, just a quick question about the schedule. Yeah. So, so is it on the website? Because I like to put it on my calendar or I'll just forget. We're going to do this every Wednesday night for five more weeks and then it's done. Okay. 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 Yeah. Same amount of time, starting same time, same amount of time. Exactly. And I'm going to try to keep it as, I'm, uh, I'm a pretty, I try, I try to be pretty punctual, try to kind of end this thing as I can, you know, after 75 minutes, if I can. Uh, and I am going to make this available after the fact as, as, um, as podcasts. So, uh, people who can't, not everybody's going to be able to be here uh, every week. I know that that's not possible, but I hope to keep it light and funny. If there are pieces of this that are either going too quickly through this, or you're desiring of more, um, I'll offer the example, you know, if, if you just want more co- meaning content, right? Like, well, hang on a second there. I wanted more on like what's up with oral lum and the origins of that line in the liturgy and how did it make it in there and can we spend another moment on that? Let me know. Um, but I hope after tonight that you can see that the purpose of this is to really get the the structure, like to really master it. I really want you to know like here's how you, you make your way through it and feel like I uh, I'm the captives. I could, I could point to anybody, you know, I, I could walk into the service late and I could tell that guy what page we're on, you know, based on, on where we are. And if you're already kind of at that advanced level, just to end on something that I began with, just, I, I'm not sure, Diane, if you heard this part that I had said at the very beginning, um, that this year there will be so many deviations by necessity and to be a master of this liturgy and to be able to go, oh, I see what she did there. I see what he did there. I see what they did by taking this piece out is really cool. I used to, to, to be a master of that and to be able to, even if you're not the one making the decisions, to see how somebody was able to make that decision by by knowing it and mastering it is awesome. Uh, so Kolek, I vote on, on taking the time out to be here. Dan, did you want to add something? Uh, just one last thing. Um, so you call them poems? Are they literal? I mean, they're not literal poems. That's like a broader definition of the word poem that I'm used to hearing. No, it's it's literally a poem. So it, rhyming structure, or there's some other structure, or it's a. It's like literally an okay. alphabetical acrostic rhyming structure. So- always, those poems are always that that category you're talking about. No, it could, it, there are variants of different structures, just like all poetry has. So uh, two different types, for example, um, Eladone is an alphabetical acrostic that also happens to rhyme in a certain structure. Eladone al-kolomasim, baruch umborach b'fikol neshama, right? So el and then baruch has the aleph and then the bet, right? Garon, uh, it has like a rhyme that, that happens at the end of it. Okay. 
interesting different one that's also poetic and has like a that you wouldn't catch otherwise so this is an advanced level is the first paragraph in the musaf amida so if you um so i'm not doing this mistakenly quoting our liturgy in the repetition once you get past the kedusha the first paragraph tikanta shabbat Listen carefully. Tikanta Shabbat Ratsita Korbanoteha Sivita Parashaha in Sidore Nisacheha. What do you notice? First of all, there's a rhyme, right? There is a rhyme. Right, it rhymes. And there's meter. And it's an alphabetic acrostic in reverse. And it's an alphabetic acrostic in reverse. Tikanta Shabbat. Ratsita Korbanotaha. How bored do you have to get with the liturgy before you're like, I'll take that one on, right? I mean, it's really impressive. So there's some really crazy stuff. And there are also, there are also little things that I love and love noticing. If you look back, even at a piece that we looked at earlier today, I didn't stop and point it out, but Tiparath Tsurenu Makinavagualino Kedoshim. In that paragraph, a lot of people like to start when they come back in as Chazanim or Shlichet Tibor. They'll start at the Hulampo of Torah in that paragraph. But I like to start a little bit before that at Kulam Ahuvim, Kulam Berurim, Kulam Giborim. Because somebody thought that's not like a biblical quote and it's not a blessing. That's just poetry somebody wrote in the Sidor. Mm. And that's beautiful alphabetical writing. Every one of them in a beloved way, every one of them in a way with clarity, every one of them in a way acknowledging heroicism, like divine heroicism. Kulam ahuvim berurim giborim. It's cool. Like So I like to acknowledge that because it's cool poetry and I can do something with it musically. Um, also, it's my job to do it every week, so I'm going to get bored sometimes and want to do something interesting. So, uh, you know, not everything has to be done every week. But, um, yeah, it's just poetry. It's poetry all over the place. And it's cool to acknowledge, ah, this is a blessing. I should say a blessing, right? This is a biblical quote. It needs to stay as it is. And this is just, yeah. somebody wrote it. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. Thank you all for taking the time out to be here tonight. It's great to have you. I hope you come back and do it again. And uh, bring a friend. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.